Hello and welcome to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Today, we're going to talk about deep state jitters, Andrew Weissman, Congressman Louis Gohmert joins me in studio, and Trump does the Daytona 500. And I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. And welcome again to America Can We Talk, to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Many of you likely recall we have had Sidney Powell on the show many times. She's the author of License to Lie. She's also the fabulous attorney representing Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. She is in the news a bit because she wrote a letter in June of last year to Attorney General Barr urging him to look into all of the, what she was characterizing as wrongdoing, dishonesty inside the DOJ during the Mueller investigation and ultimately prosecution of Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. Well, I don't know if it was that letter or something else, but very recently Attorney General Barr announced he is going to assign a separate prosecutor outside of the Mueller team, somebody outside of Washington of all things, to look over the entire handling of the Trump, of the prosecution by the Mueller team of Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. I think this is making leftists very nervous. The Mueller team and the name Weissman, we're going to get to him in a moment. The name Weissman is central to the first five today because Weissman was out on national television on talk shows over the weekend saying that he doesn't really think that what Attorney General Barr was doing is trying to look into just the Flynn case. He thinks and he's concerned that Attorney General Barr is really trying to reopen all of the investigation of, of the work of the Mueller team, and specifically he mentioned Comey struck, and uh, not Page, Comey struck in a third person, I'll tell you in a moment, but anyway, the point of it is, I think that Andrew Weissman is extremely concerned that all of this, you know, behind the scenes, hidden prosecution, all that happened with the Mueller team, and Weissman is the one, by the way, who is described by Sidney Powell in her book, the in great, great detail in her book, License to Lie, as a really bad actor inside the Department of Justice, and in the Mueller investigation was described as the pit bull who really was in charge of the entire Mueller prosecution uh, investigation looking into the alleged non-existent Trump-Russia collusion. I think Weissman's worried he does not like the idea that someone with fresh eyes outside of his control might be looking into all of what this uh, Mueller team did. That, my friends, is today's first five. Now I want to turn and welcome our guest in the studio, Congressman Louis Gomer. Welcome, sir. Always good to be with you, Debbie. Thank you. I'm so glad you're here. And I will tell our listeners, earlier today, I went to a luncheon uh, where he spoke to a lot of other political activists. And I was telling him before we went on air that I had one set of questions ready. And then I listened to him talk at lunch. And now I have other questions. And so we're <laughs> going to talk in hyperspeed. But let me just start with, first of all. Well, you may talk at hyperspeed. <laughs> I'm doing the best I can. <laughs> <laughs> OK. Yes, I grew up in upstate New York. Right. So we get it out quickly. But to just be sure you all know, Congressman Louis Gohmert is a hero among conservative circles. He represents a, first, a CD, it's kind of symbolic, Congressional District 1 from the great state of Texas in Congress, been in Congress since 2005. He is truly a hero of the conservatives. He is among many reasons because he's outspoken. He speaks his mind. He pursues what he think is true, thinks is true. 
by way of very quick background, um, he is an attorney. He served as a state court judge. He served in the military in the JAG Corps. Is that right? Yeah. JAG Corps? I was originally commissioned infantry, and then I was urged to go get a graduate degree before I started my four-year obligation. So I thought, well, okay, I'll go to law school. They encouraged that. I didn't know if I'd be infantry or JAG when I finished, and I was brought on active duty. But then I got my orders to JAG, and to the home of the infantry at Fort Benning, Georgia. So that's where I spent nearly four years. Yeah. I love that. So, and he's also been a justice, a, a judge. At, I mentioned both in state court and an appellate court judge in Texas. And I laying all that out because I want to probe a lot about the Mueller team today, the investigation, and really get at someone who is an experienced person in Congress and knowledge of the law and as a judge. And I'm going to start with our buddy, Roger Stone. Okay, he's not my personal friend or anything. No, I understand. But let me just ask you this. Do you think the reaction of the Department of Justice and the media, uh, the uh, reaction that there was, this was such an egregious thing for Attorney General Barr to have mm -hmm. a second sentencing recommendation submitted in the Stone case, did the DOJ and the media overreact, or was Attorney General Barr way out of line? Uh, I would say they did not overreact if... They had felt as strongly about Brennan being sentenced to a long prison sentence, <laughs> Clapper being sentenced to a long prison sentence, McKay being sentenced to a long prison sentence, Comey being sentenced to a long uh, prison sentence, because all of them have lied under oath. It certainly appears that way because they said one thing under oath and it turned out they knew better and it wasn't true. So anyway, you can characterize it as lack of candor, which is what the Mueller, Comey, McKay, Weissman group likes to to describe if it's one of their friends, one of their uh, Trump haters. But if it turns out it was inaccurate, like in Flynn's case, well, he's a lying scumbag and he needs to go to prison. It is really outrageous the way they've turned justice upside down. Okay, I, I, my read on it also, and with respect to Roger Stone, my understanding was Attorney General Barr actually had had the conversation and thought that what the prosecuting attorneys was, were going to submit as a sentencing recommendation was leave it up to the judge. And, and then, unbeknownst to him... And that wasn't his idea. That was the people under him, what they had thought and what they had proposed. And they all agreed to it, though. Yeah, they all agreed to it. And then when it got to the lick log, the attorneys at the uh, D.C. U.S. Attorney's Office uh, ended up pushing for the max, seven to nine years. And so that's why Barr got pushed from the people who had supplied the the uh, suggestion, the recommendation, let's don't push for prison time, let's leave it up to the court. They were shocked that Jesse Lou's old alumni <laughs> would end up uh, going for the jugular. Roger Stone is not a threat to America. Uh, you know, Weissman, McCabe, uh, Comey, Mueller, these guys abusing power that's a threat to america and our way of life and it continues to be but uh but roger stone are you kidding me it, it just ridiculous the way they've gone after him i agree ridiculously i've gone after and by the way your answer reminded me the three people that weissman was trying to say 
Barr is really secretly reinvestigating, it was McCabe, Comey, and Strzok. He's saying when Barr made this announcement that he's going to have someone truly neutral look back into the case of Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, what they're really doing is looking into those three characters, all who are you know Weissman allies, all on the anti-Trump team. First I of all, wish they'd throw Christopher Ray in there also, my personal thought, because uh, I, I didn't know Christopher Ray. I hadn't done my homework when he got appointed. Apparently, the White House hadn't done sufficient uh, homework when they recommended him to the president. But uh, I was hoping he would come in and clean up the mess, punish the people that had done wrong so that the FBI could get their reputation back as being the best law enforcement agency in the in the world. But he comes in, and it's just my impression, but my impression is that he has done more to cover up and to just try to sweep things under the rug. And a good indication is, and we, we had him before our committee uh, within the last two weeks, I'm asking him about Kleinsmith, and mm -hmm. I've had concerns, Debbie, that Kleinsmith, since they caught him red-handed, taking information that Carter Page had worked for our intelligence agency and adding the word not that he had not worked for and, and submitting that to the court. It's a fraud on the court. It's perjury, all this kind of thing. I was afraid they would make Kleinsmith the lone scapegoat. That was my concern, but now we're seeing Christopher Ray lets him resign so he can go get a better paying job in the civilian sector somewhere, I'm sure, but but lets him resign. This is a guy that committed fraud on the court so he could spy on a campaign. This is a guy that that needs to go to jail. And my concern was if Kleinsmith is the only one that goes to jail, then our justice system is still broken. Nobody's learned a lesson. They learned a lesson, don't be the fall guy, but it's okay to go after your political enemies. So I'm, I'm Christopher Ray needs to be in there as well. I agree. And Christopher Ray, after the Inspector General report came out, his comment was something like, you know, trying to falsely convey humility. Well, I see we have some problems, so we'll we'll do retraining. I think his words are retraining. We'll adjust yeah. our guidelines. Yeah. No, he fit no. in real good in China. They do a lot of that retraining <laughs> in China. So, yeah, he'd do well over there. But it was a failure to acknowledge. It wasn't people filled out the wrong form or, or didn't sign yeah. the form. It was intentional wrongdoing, and his reaction is just ignoring that. Exactly, and that is the big problem. If people are not punished, and this is what I commented to Christopher Ray, you know, I said, I know you believe in deterrence or you would not be in law enforcement, but when you have this many people lie and change the facts or misrepresent the facts, to come after a presidential campaign, to come after American citizens, to violate their civil rights, and you don't do anything but maybe the most uh, culpable, that the evidence is most clear on you, let him resign, uh, there is no deterrence. This will keep going. And I'm, Debbie, I'm really afraid if if Trump doesn't get reelected or if he gets reelected and these same kind of yahoos are running things, uh, we're not getting the country back. They will continue to investigate political enemies the way Brennan, Clapper, and all these people have, Sally Yates. I mean, uh, and I don't think we can get the country back. I share that concern. And in part, it means we have to get back 
Republican control of the House yeah. so we can stop having endless impeachment investigations and even hopefully a stronger majority in the Senate because President Trump needs to exactly. be replacing Christopher Ray as yeah. an example. He, he needs he new leaders, new House cleaners, and he can't get that if he has a very yeah. wobbly, bare majority in the, in the Senate. And I'm frankly tired of Christians telling me, Louie, we don't have to worry. We know God's in control. Oh. And I've never met Tommy Nelson, a pastor up in Denton, but I listened to a 12-hour Bible study, and, and toward the end, he said, yeah, we know God's sovereign. We know he's in control, and these are his words. Just because God's in control doesn't mean he wants us to lean on our shovel and pray for a hole. That's and a great line. I'm going to use that line. And so God has given us, for those who believe in God, and you and I do, God's given us tools. And he expects us to use them, not just lean on them and ask God to fix, do what we need to do or could do ourselves. He gave us a tool. Get after it. That God gave us America. This yeah. whole idea of the America and the justice system and the notion that you have to hold people accountable. If you don't have rule of law, you're just abandoning the country to anarchy or to the toughest. And Debbie, it's not the country. I mean, I've talked to people all over the world and traveling all these countries. And yes, Western Europe, they get a little uh, put out with what they consider to be American conceit. But I'm talking about people in small countries, island countries, including Australia, Eastern Europe, the Eastern Europeans are more cons that have come to them. They're more concerned right now than most Americans are. But what they say over and over: if you guys lose your freedom in America, all of us have no chance of living in freedom. Our country, their countries are gone. They can't. They can't hold back. Whether it's China, Russia, you know, Iran, Turkey, whoever it is, uh, they can't hold them back without us being strong. Couldn't agree more. And I'm going to tie that losing our freedom concept to holding on to the rule of law because one reason we have freedom in America is the rule of law. We, uh, the rule of law. We agree with ourselves. Declaration setting out the idea we have rights from God because we were born. Constitution, structure, all of that creates freedom. If we don't honor it, if we don't enforce it, if we don't insist on it, we lose it. And so I think that people, mm -hmm. because it kind of ties on the next thing I want to ask you about, about Attorney General Barr. I'm very glad he's there, and I'm very glad yeah. he's fighting. Yeah. I get a little concerned. I did during the impeachment because you know Attorney General Barr and U.S. Attorney Durham are looking into the predicate and the beginning of. At least we keep hearing that. Yes, the, the beginning of the Trump Russia well, collusion what was the hoax. The U.S. Attorney we'd heard before that from Utah that was supposed to be looking he into it. Dropped he the ball. Nothing. Did nothing. nothing. So my question is, I feel I feel concerned sometimes. I saw that the Democrats, they would take out President Trump for wearing socks that don't match, if they could. And so you have the Democrats out to get well, him. Well, come on now. That is an abuse of power when you wear the wrong socks. And you offend people's sensibility. Yeah. yeah. But, but I, I do feel concerned because I think you— Wait, every, I need to talk. There may be some, some uh, liberals listening. What my comment about the socks, that's called sarcasm. And I just wanted them to know, you know, because they don't you recognize clarify that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But on a serious note, you watch the Democrats. They do want to destroy President Trump. And I keep hoping from the I would like some signal from the Department of Justice, Attorney General or U.S. Attorney Durham, something, because all the time that Republicans are pointing out this was a coup attempt. This was an attempt to take down the president. And you hear from them, we're investigating. We're doing a thorough investigation. It's like they're letting him 
President Trump dangle in the wind too long or, or, or get pummeled. It, yeah. Are you concerned about that? Yes, I have been, that this is taking too long. Durham should have come back with something, a year, you know, a year ago, last summer, something. But my concern is he's going to pull a muller and wait until after the election when more people have been, um, you know, confused or misled as to what the real facts are. So that's a huge concern. Oh, I am deeply concerned. And let me off, ahead, yeah. on the issue of our freedom. Um, I've read a lot of Dostoevsky, and I didn't see this quote, but Whitaker Chambers, I know he did a lot of defense of Christianity, and he was big on the Russian Orthodox Church. But uh, Whitaker Chambers quoted him saying, the problem with socialism is not economic. The problem with socialism is atheism. Mm-hmm. And if you get to the heart of it, if you have a true socialistic country, then you're going to have to do what the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics did, and that is, you know, God is the government. And and I, I'll never forget being, this was while it still the Soviet Union still existed, going out to the only recognized seminary in the Soviet Union was out a good ways from Moscow, called Zagorsk, and it was a walled, small community. They get they accepted about forty a year into their program. Thousands applied to be the the uh, priest for the Russian wow. Orthodox Church. But as you turn in, there was a building there that had a big painting of Lenin's face, and then in Russian it said, "Lenin is with us." You may be turning into this so-called Christian enclave Wait, at a but seminary. Never now. forget. It's Lenin who is with us. You know? So that I mean, that's the way it is, and that's where we're headed. And we've already seen from Bernie Sanders and Senator Feinstein uh, going after two people, two different uh, people, for being Christians Supreme and Court believing. Justice nominees. Yeah. Well, uh, Bernie went after Russ Vaught, who is head oh, of the right. head of the yeah. uh, Office Management Budget. Uh, Feinstein went after the person that I hope will be the next Supreme Court appointment, but certainly if it's not Donald Trump in office, it, it, it won't, won't be. be. Yeah, yeah. But That's... but both of them, they were gr- grilled and belittled and mocked basically because they believed what Jesus said: "I'm the way, the truth, the life. Nobody goes to the Father but by me." And yeah. And and then the judge even had the nerve to go to a weekly Bible study, so that's why Feinstein felt the dogma was so deep with her. But uh, the dogma was really on the side of Feinstein and Bernie Sanders. But it's becoming dangerous even now. I agree that it is. As a funny aside, I went to a Soviet Union also, and it was still communist. Mm-hmm. And you know, the, my one impression I remember, it, it was so gray. I mean the. That's women the, wore everything dark felt gray, yes. and somber, and yeah. and the women you see in the street walking down the street, there was no one smiling. There was it was just a dark plotting, Boom. and and you know we I don't know if you're in Moscow, you probably heard this too, but they had those uh, loudspeakers oh, sure. blasting in Russian, and we asked our this was in senior year of high school. Um, I asked our tour guide, what are they saying? Because it was just it wasn't music, it was talking. He said communist propaganda. 24 mm. 7. And did you also happen to oh, hear that? Absolutely. It, and Pravda was nothing but propaganda. There, there might be a shred of truth here or there, but basically it was lies. And art, 
art went out the window. You know, it, you couldn't choose what you wanted to to paint or make if you were an artist. And same if you're a journalist or if you're a poet. It all had to glorify the Soviet Union. And I was I got to know some um, some um, Soviets, college students, and they were saying the first lesson they were ever taught in school was about this young kid, I think he was six years old, and all the farmers were told to bring in all of their wheat into the common storehouse, and his parents saved a little bit back for their family, and they'd been encouraged, you know, anybody you see, you owe it to your country to report. He reported his parents. His parents were arrested and jailed. The other farmers stoned the little boy to death and so it was considered the highest and best thing you could ever do in your life is to be a martyr like this young man turning others in. And then going to a daycare, they immediately tell us first thing. Now, parents are simply temporary mm -hmm. uh, custodians, but very temporary because we're constantly monitoring. And if any parent tells their child anything that we think is negative for the country, then we immediately take those children away and put them in the hands of a better caregiver. And and I thought at the time, thank God, literally thank God I'm from America. And this this just doesn't happen. And now in recent years, you start hearing more and more bureaucrats saying, we're the ones responsible for those kids, not the parents. We're the ones and you know, we need to move them out. We need to do this and that. It was one of the scenes in 1984. That little boy turned yeah. his dad in for talking in his sleep, saying yeah. things in his sleep that were inconsistent with the rules at the time. And, and that was it, yeah. Yeah, well, I, I'm often misquoted, but a quote that actually I was accurately quoted was, <laughs> uh, the only thing Orwell got wrong was the year. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. 1984, but the rest of that stuff. Oh, very alarming. And, you know, it's a really funny thing, too, because I mentioned this to another guest last week. It feels like we live in a parallel universe, and back to Washington, because you have, for example, when the Senate impeachment trial was occurring, and so you have, you know, the House has voted for impeachment, you're over there in the Senate. Everyone, I've had many guests on my show, and pundits I read, experts I read, consistently recognize the entire Trump-Russia collusion was cooked up out of whole cloth to attack the president. Nothing. But yet, nothing there. Yeah. yeah. But then you're back into the Senate impeachment trial where you have the House managers, including Adam Schiff, still making reference to it, still mm. saying, well, you know, the Mueller thing. And it's kind of like he, I don't know if he believes it or he doesn't, no, but he's I'm really. He's a smart guy. He, he knows better. So what he's really saying is he thinks he can keep duping the American people, that they will hear him say it, and they'll keep mm -hmm. rejecting what you've been saying, what mm -hmm. many conservatives are saying. The whole thing was cooked up. And it's just, I mean, how how long can this parallel track on Washington, this is I get back to why we need to have Attorney General Barr to come up with something, come yeah. findings. And, and, and actually, people that have lied to Congress who were part of the FBI, part of the DOJ, part of the intel, if they're not punished, I don't think we get this little experiment self-government perpetuated for much longer. I think we're pretty well done. Well, that was one of the things I wanted to ask you about, and I, I have certainly gone on on my own show about this, but what if we just say, Republicans say, okay, you know, we 
the president was not removed. We had the impeachment, but he wasn't removed. And digging up all of this uh, intrigue with inside the Department of Justice and finding all the wrongdoers. And there are people concerned this is what Barr thinks. You really may end up with America in such deep distrust of the DOJ. You'll have so much damage to America. Maybe we're better. Just put it all behind us and move forward and stop investigating it. I'm not advocating this. I'm, I'm asking you, know, what, what how some, does that hurt America? Uh, because the forces that have used justice system, intel, to try to take to prevent a guy from getting elected president and then to take him down, take down his friends, is I really think, uh, from what I perceive, these people thought if they came whole hog after Trump, after people that worked for him, after his family, after business associates, that within six months, you go back and look at some of the things there, oh, we think it was on within They thought this guy was going to say, you know what? To heck with all of you, I'm going back and make more money. But they didn't know Donald Trump. And yep. that is not what he shocked them over and over. He's gone in there and fighting for what's right. And and as a Christian, I have some people say time to time, like after I uh, was grilling uh, Peter Strzok, the man sat there and lied to mm -hmm. me. Yes. And he had previously said, I never lie, I always tell the truth. Uh, sat there and lied and there's been no consequences for lying under oath but people thought i broke the rules when actually there's no nothing against going after somebody who says they don't lie and point out that they have lied they do lied yep. but he he's amazing he really is i mentioned earlier though uh, i thought he was somebody that was so good keeping that smirk on his face and not changing expressions that he could probably pass a lie detector. But I, under <laughs> I understand well, while he's, lying. He's, yeah. yeah, that he's flunked a couple of those I heard. But anyway, and but anyway, it helps if you got good friends in the FBI that'll pull stuff like that out for you. That does help a lot. Yeah, you know I love that you you and many others talk about the importance of getting to you know rooting out the to use Attorney General Barr's term and the predicate the beginning how mm -hmm. this all got started every player involved because it really does tie back to actually holding on to America and I think that sometimes yeah. people think it's a melodramatic or it's hyperbole yeah, why are you be, but you know you're a Christian you ought to be more forgiving and loving and it's caring. just one little and blip. Jesus said love your enemies and turn the other cheek and that is all true and that's the way we should live individually but when you're in a government role and I would humbly submit that if you're an American citizen you get calls for jury duty you can support people for government positions you can run yourself that those i mean this is a self-government thing when you're in that government role when i was a judge you don't turn the other cheek you don't look the other way you can love when i was a judge i could love the person i was sentencing but there had to be consequences like Roman 13 talks about you know if you do evil you need to be afraid and that was the role of the government so people that are Christians should not confuse just turning and looking the other way when their responsibility is in the role of a voter office holder um, supporter Juror. <laughs> you have an obligation to in that role to make sure you you um, interview people 
and look at their resumes before you vote for them, and then you help hold them accountable. That is critical stuff if we're going to keep this thing. Couldn't agree more. Turning to President Trump, he is in the White House. He is cleaning things out. You've had uh, whatever the number. He's trying. Yeah, currently is trying to clean out people who really just aren't willing to support his agenda, the National Security Council. But he's still around him in the White House. He still has people who are. He's got some people need to go. Obama holdovers who are not just not excited about his presidency. They're working against him. Exactly. And he's had some people do the hiring that specifically would hire people who were not for him and didn't want to see his agenda. And actually, uh, George W. Bush experienced that as well. And, you know, we can agree and disagree about things, but George W. Bush, to the heart of him, he's a very gracious guy. And Donald Trump, unless you're jacking him around, he's very gracious and generous. But... But George W. Bush, you know, after the fiasco and Al Gore sued, um, like Richard Nixon refused in 60 when he got cheated, but Al Gore decides, let's go ahead and rip the country up and go to court. And so after all of that, the Supreme Court comes down, and and Bush actually did win. Um, But Bush is trying to be gracious, and in effect his attitude appeared to be, okay, look, no matter what you've done in the past, everybody starts fresh from here. Some of them had just committed petty crimes like ripping the W's off of the keyboard, but some had committed serious crimes leaking. Another factor, uh, did you know that the Obama administration prosecuted more people for leaking than any, all the other administrations put together. But, no. But George Bush, yeah, how do you think he kept secrets? Man, they were aggressive in going after people. And that's, of course, when they went after uh, uh, the AP. Yep. They went after a Fox News reporter. I mean, they were violating civil rights illegally, and people should have taken that as a clue, probably doing it to some of your, your um, rivals. Okay, so President Trump, he's sitting in the White House. He has his immediate family members he trusts who are working with him. But beyond that, I mean, he's this was a problem with an outsider. He doesn't have leagues of people he's worked with for years as a House member and a senator. Mm-hmm. So he's struggling to get that, you know, to get trustworthy people who are on his agenda or at least willing to support his agenda. And he's being stymied every step of the way, leaking and undermining. So, I mean, this is an impossible question. How does he fix that? Does, does, he, need to, does he need to get a new person to hire to, to be the yes, hirer? absolutely. Okay, who and, should that be? Well, there's a number of possibilities. Personally, I think the, pers- the best person that he could get as his immediate protection from um, – people that were the wrong people would be to have Mark Meadows as his chief of staff. He had thought about that December of 2018, and Mick Mulvaney's a good guy. Uh, but anyway, I hear there'll be a change before long, and I know there are some deep staters that are really pushing to be in there, but he needs somebody like Mark that he, and he frankly, he doesn't need somebody like Mark. He needs Mark who knows where the bodies are buried, who can be trusted, and who can't. He's got to have that kind of protection. But now the chief of staff doesn't actually do the hiring. That's the president's personnel office, PPO. And there was a guy that was there, and I know of – I mean, 
I don't think he was doing uh, good for the president, the people he hired, because there were a lot of people that he hired that were not good. He's gone. His subordinate uh, is now head up, and he's a problem, too, in my humble opinion. And so there needs to be a cleaning of house. One of the things Trump did in his graciousness when he came in, uh, and he, he would choose somebody that seemed to have great credentials for one of the cabinet positions, and normally they would say, uh, do you mind if I hire all the people that I'll be working with? Well, there are a lot of career people already there. One thing some people missed was once the Obama administration realized Hillary didn't really win <laughs> and Trump going really to is going to be <laughs> yeah. taking office in January, I uh, was told that they were moved into high gear, moving their three to 4,000 people or so that are appointed in appointed positions that can be let go for any reason, no reason. They were moving as many of those as they could into the career positions. And if you remember our friend Jeff Sessions, and he is a friend, but Jeff was saying, well, I listened to the career people who were telling me I should recuse myself. Well, that would have been fine in Alabama, but career people in the Justice Department loved Obama, Obama. loved Sally Yates, loved uh, uh, Brendan Clapper, and they should not have been listened to by Jeff Sessions. I need to reiterate the one thing you just said. So you're saying that when Obama realized that Hillary was not they going to be president. They moving people in from, career positions. From career yeah. positions, in, from appointed positions into career jobs because it makes it harder to fire them. Yeah. yeah. Because it makes, it makes it them impossible. extremely difficult to fire them. And I'm sure you remember back, uh, there was an incident, I think it was Arizona VA, where they had two, this lady had two calendars. One that was the rear calendar that people would yeah. wait for many, many months. And then she created a false one that showed everybody's being seen within 30 days. Well, it's a crime to do what she did. She was convicted of that, and she was fired for that. And she went to court and won. Uh, the judge saying, no, you, you can't just fire somebody for committing a crime. And so <laughs> Congress stepped in when we had the majority and said, okay, you can fire people in the VA for cause, and especially they committed crime. But we haven't done that for all the other places, including the White House. So that's been one of the frustrations I know the president has had. Uh, you know, these people, I can't fire them. And you will recall, because you got such a good memory, he used to be quite good at saying, you're fired. <laughs> fired. And then he gets to the presidency and finds out, I can't say that, like not like I used to. But like the NSC, Robert O'Brien was hired. That's a great example. Yeah. And I like him, and I think he's doing everything he can to help. But the NSC was just too massive. Mm -hmm. There were way too many people that had access to the phone calls, access to the transcript, all this information who hated Trump. Yeah. And so he gets Robert O'Brien down there, and, and my understanding was – uh, his job was to get the NSC down to a size that was more manageable. You can't have hundreds of people with that as part of the NSC. And so he has uh, cut 70, 80 people or so, and nothing personal. We just need to get the number down to where it's manageable. So that I think that's a great step. Get the numbers down, people that will be manageable instead of having all these unaccountable people.
You know, another whole topic we have no time for today, but I've often advocated for the idea that we need to change, radically change in the federal government the power of the government to terminate employees. We shouldn't mm -hmm. have a kind of a right to a lifetime job yeah. unless I kill someone in office standard. It, it, right. we, we need to be, have more flexibility as you do in the private sector. But it's a topic for another day. We're almost out of time. Matt the Wonderful is going to give me a signal here in a minute. So I want to just... I want to talk about Daytona, which was fun, but also on the Democrat side, watching this lineup of people, do you have any sense, do you think that the Democrats would really let the Bernie Sanders campaign win the nomination? I used to think they would do anything to stop him, and do you think there's anything to the idea that maybe Bloomberg is eyeing a Bloomberg Hillary Clinton ticket? Well, he has said he is. Bloomberg said he would consider Hillary Clinton. I thought he backpedaled right after that. Well, I think he probably should have. <laughs> You know, yeah. and, and somebody was saying at lunch today, privately, they were saying, you know, if I were a presidential nominee picking my vice president, uh, I look at all of the people that have died. That have been, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not sure that I would want to have Hillary. Uh, all, I, all she is is one heartbeat away from being president, and yeah. I'm that one heartbeat. I'm not sure I, that's who I would want. Very good Regardless point. of the reason for all the deaths, there are a lot of people that confronted the Clintons that, that are, you know. No longer with us. They're maintaining room temperature now so <laughs> gosh yeah, so. so what do you think the dems are going to let bernie sanders win this do you think they'll try well, to interfere behind away with it once cheating to keep him out of getting yeah. the nomination but i just keep coming back to this would you want a socialist for your party parties i mean as some of uh, uh the black officials have said you know there are a lot of african americans that are not comfortable with some of the things being proposed by I mean they go to church these are wonderful people have you know they're just not comfortable with some of these things and that's why I brought up what I did about socialism the problem with social socialism is atheism and you've got an awful lot of minorities Hispanics African Americans a lot of minorities who are brothers and sisters they're in Christ believers. with us and, and they don't buy some of this socialistic nonsense. Could not agree more. I'm going to ask Matt the Wonderful if we have. I sent one little clip. This is from a, a tweet, but it is President Trump at NASCAR. <laughs> we'll quick play his little clip. Yeah, here, here we go. NASCAR fans, to welcome back your United States Air Force Thunderbirds and to deliver the most famous words in motorsports at the Daytona 500, please welcome this year's Grand Marshal, the 45th President of the United States of America, Donald J. Trump, accompanied by First Lady of the United States, Melania Trump. Daytona International Speedway, we love our country, and it's truly an honor to be with all of you at the great American race. Gentlemen, start your engines. <laughs> oh, when the jets yeah. <laughs> come over right at that time. Okay. That's fantastic. It is. So that was, that was good. I'll close out with this. Do you not just love Donald Trump, the president, showing up at the Daytona 500? I mean, is uh, he just, was that a stellar or what? You know, the guy's a billionaire. I loved it. He's just he, people don't really he's just good folks I realize that at Mar-a-Lago when I'm having lunch and the only thing that looked like it was not too expensive was Mary Trump's meatloaf and it, it had uh, 
uh, mushroom sauce, and I always ate it with ketchup, but there's a fancy place, so I didn't ask for ketchup. And when he came up, sat down, he goes, wow, Louie, that looks good. And he said, I hadn't used my salad fork, and he scrapes off about an inch and a half of my meatloaf on his plate, and he tasted, that is good. I haven't, I said, well, it should be. It's your mother's recipe. And so he said, bring me some of that. And so I was careful. It's a nice place. I didn't ask for ketchup, didn't ask for salt and pepper. They bring in his meatloaf, and then she comes back with a big bottle of ketchup, and he's sitting there pumping ketchup <laughs> all over his meatloaf with the mushroom gravy and all over his mashed potatoes. And I thought, he may have billions of dollars, but he's my kind of guy. <laughs> And on that note, I love it. I, I thought that was a brilliant thing for President Trump to show up at Daytona oh, 500. They're, they're oh, my super. gosh. Yeah, people loved it. Folks, we are sadly, as often happens, we are simply out of time. So I'm going to turn to the always at the end of every show to tell you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. To start with, we talked about the deep state jitters. And I'm telling you, Andrew Weissman is jittery. The stone sentencing kerfuffle is a deep state head fake. Don't fall for it. The immediately radio, and I didn't even get to this. I think the whole opposition was pre-prepared, but the immediately ready Washington Post published letter signed by 100 or 1,100 former DOJ oh, officials demanding Barr's resignation gives away the game. Mueller DOJ team wanted seven to nine years to stick it to Stone despite the way he was arrested, as we all talked about. Barr said no, leaving to the judge to decide without a DOJ recommendation. Mueller DOJ team defied Barr and went ahead with the seven to nine years. Barr moved to correct and conform to his decision. Mueller DOJ team went to work with preset PR campaign public letter to claim Trump ordered Barr to reduce the DOJ approved recommendation and Barr obeyed. Therefore, Barr must resign. This is the argument of the left. I want you to have these facts so when your friends tell you that something really bad happened, this is what really happened. The American people are on to the deep state lies and tactics. Barr Durham investigation is making leftists very nervous. And again, a Weissman, he appears on Meet the Press on February 16th, intimates that Barr is using independent review of Flynn case as a cover for a new investigation to Comey, McCabe, and Strzok, I hope he is, that Weissman sending so. SOS to the Democrats, the mainstream media and Pravda, mm -hmm. that's why he's saying this. He's worried. The Michael Flynn case reeks of government misconduct and the case is at the center and origin of the entire Russia collusion hoax and deep state coup plotting. Attorney Sidney Powell has publicly and mm -hmm. in court been calling out government misconduct in the Flynn case and so informed the Attorney General Barr by private letter, actually I think it was in June. That's why mm -hmm. Barr has finally moved to conduct an independent review of Mueller team conduct in the Flynn case and Andrew Weissman is worried about where this will lead and on Daytona, Trump's connection with NASCAR nation, Americans is real. They are mm -hmm. American loving right. patriots, so is he. Trump is also a master at branding. This 7, 747 flyover of the track, people loved it. Taking a lap in the beast, we can talk about that. <laughs> <That's great>. <laughs> <laughs> Go right ahead. Another thing people ought to be encouraged about, and I've told the president this, one of the biggest problems for getting rid of deep state establishment, you know, improper personnel is they've always kept their head low and they were hard to identify. You yes. couldn't figure out. But because of Trump derangement syndrome, he makes <laughs> them crazy and they raise their heads and they start sending letters <laughs> and saying things. Oh, there's another yeah. one. There's another. So what now, three years later, we're pretty well figuring out who needs to go. We got your names. Get yeah, your we names. We got the names. So yeah. anyway. I love that. Near perfect re-election theater. That's what this Matt NASCAR was. Re-election theater. <laughs> Americans know it, love it. Trump is for America. Dems are against it. And it is that simple.
and that, my friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Congressman Gomer, thank you so Debbie, much no, for coming in. with you always. So thank fun you. to have you. Thank you so much. Thanks. Tune in every Monday through Thursday, 3 p.m. Central Time, to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America, because America matters. I'll talk to you next time. Can we talk truth about America? Can you-